Hi everyone and welcome back to Pieces from Prison. I'm Ariel and this is my sister and co-host Adriana. Hello. And we're so glad to have you listening again. Uh, We have so many exciting episodes coming up and hope you continue to stick around to hear even more. Okay, so we're going to get to talking about our new letter Um, This one's a little bit different. The person writing to us had a little bit of a different tone and attitude in the beginning than anything we've ever got before. Um, But I received his first letter almost a month ago and started to write up a whole episode on it. And then I realized that he had a deeper story than what was written to me. His first letter was really interesting, but it was pretty short. And like I said... He knew he had more to share than just that. So I went ahead and wrote a response, and he got back to me just a couple weeks ago. So I'm going to be going through his first letter first, and then I'm going to read my response, and then I'm going to read his response. Sounds good. Okay, so here's his first letter. He says, Hello, I hope that all is well with you and your loved ones when you receive this. You said he'd You said you studied criminal justice. I understand now you have a better understanding of us. I'm state-raised. My parents were in prison throughout my whole childhood. I'm not violent by nature, but I've done things you can only see in movies. At times because I want to, but at times because I'm obligated, as it's my duty as a convict. As I write you this, I sit in the max prison. This is where they send you when you commit a crime in prison. I caught an attempted murder case the day before Thanksgiving 2020. I got court to take a plea deal of 20 years concurrent to my life sentence. The time means nothing to me. I've been in prison 15 years straight. I've accepted the fact that I'll die in prison. When you give an 18-year-old man life without parole, you give him no hope. I murdered a rival gang member in July of 2006. What is the point of a life sentence? Of course I should have been locked up, but not for a life. If I ever got out of prison, I wouldn't even jaywalk. I'd get a job with Burger King and be so happy with my freedom. Freedom is so precious. I hate how my life is, but this is what I've become. In the last 10 years, I've committed three attempted murders. When you have no hope, this rage builds inside. I refuse to be around any child molesters, sex offenders, or rats. That's who gets to feel the rage. I'm not saying that because I'm disgusted with those type of people or that I'm right for doing it to them. I'm human. I do have a heart as well. I can get emotional by a sad commercial. I'm mad at myself a lot. I can't believe I told you all that. I'm real raw and savage. I appreciate what you're doing and if this isn't what you're looking for. I understand. Our actions make us who and what we are, right? There's a lot more to me than that. Wow. What do you think? I think it kind of reiterates what we've said before about why we don't view prison as more of a way to... What's the word I'm thinking of? Rehabilitation. And he's saying, well, I was young and... I already got a life sentence without parole, which is just, 
And I can see how, how do you have hope after that? Even if, I'm not saying that we don't have some responsibility Mm -hmm. for our actions, but that is just, I can understand how you have no hope. Just because you have responsibility doesn't mean that you can't become rehabilitated. And we talked about before how, I forget the specific statistic, but we just talked about how someone whose parents are in prison are more likely to be in prison. This is actually our first letter, isn't it? I think this is our first letter of someone who has had their parents incarcerated before. Yeah, I think it might be. Okay, well... That probably has something to do with that. I'm not sure what his parents are incarcerated for. I'm, I don't know if he'd be willing to share that, but it'd be interesting to know. And I wonder if it even matters. Like, I feel like yeah. the fact of a lot of that statistic probably has to do with the fact that they, you see what it's like to have someone in prison and they're not in your life. And so then you have to mm-hmm. kind of like fend for yourself more. Okay, and so I'm going to read what I wrote back. I said, thank you so much for writing all that. A lot of what you said is very deep and made me think a lot. I'm sorry to hear your parents were in prison. I know it's probably hard to say, but do you think that if if that wouldn't have been the case, that you would have been in a different situation now? I'm sure that affected you greatly, especially in some of the most important times of your life. I agree it's difficult to have hope after receiving a life sentence, especially at the age of 18. I can't even begin to imagine what, imagine what it was like for you in that moment when you heard what your destiny would be. At the age of 18, you're still a kid. Sure, you may know right from wrong, but the decisions that people make at the age of 18 are so different from what they would make if they were older. I believe in rehabilitation and second chances, especially at a young age. Some kids are set back and don't have much of an example when they need the most guidance. From what you said about your parents being in prison when you were young, it sounds like this may have been the case for you. Please forgive me if I am wrong in making that assumption. And to what you said earlier on in the letter, no, I do not think that I have a better understanding of you all. I have merely scratched the surface of my studies, and I am now trying to reach out to some of you and see what your experience has been like before being locked up and during. What better way to learn than to actually speak to incarcerated people directly and find out that way, right? I just want you to know that I'm doing my best to try and understand everyone. I also believe that sometimes that talking about subjects that you've wanted to talk about but have found it difficult to can help. I hate that you hate the way your life is, but I cannot say that I blame you one bit. It sounds like you have been through a lot. Even though I don't know you, I know that you're strong. Thank you for taking the time to write back to me. That's a great response. And also, can I... This is something I didn't think about earlier. But just from, like, studying the brain, um, when you said the the decisions that you make at 18 are different than what you would make when you're older, at 18, your brain hasn't even fully developed. And the last part to really develop is, like, your frontal lobe, which is your decision-making and, like, planning for the future and things like that. So, Mm -hmm. 
I mean, I like guess they I try said, to take that into account, but to get a life sentence for some a crime that you've committed when you are young, I don't know if that yeah. should define you when you're 50, 60, you know? Yeah. Um, so his response to that was, I think a lot about life and I daydream a lot. Anything that helps me escape the reality of my situation. This might sound crazy, but I can daydream for hours at a time. In my mind, I can be anywhere I want to be, and I can live any type of life I want. Crazy, right? I had no positive role models in my life. When I was 14, my sister moved me in with her and her boyfriend's family home. His parents are good people, but he was not. He was like a father figure to me. He was a gang member along with his two brothers that I I thought of as brothers. I gravitated towards the gang life, and I soon realized the more bad I was, the more the gang loved me. Within a couple of months, I got caught with a gun and a felony menacing charge. I got two years in juvie. I got out at 16. It was even worse because I felt like I had to catch up on what I missed out on. I've done so much bad Every day I was committing felonies, but it was normal to me. At 17, I got caught up again with a gun and felony menacing. This time they charged me as an adult. They sent me to boot camp, and if I finished, I'd get probation. I finished and got out at 18. I didn't last two months. I killed a rival gang member, and the crazy thing is, I truly believed in what I was doing. This was my way of life, and you know who turned me in? my own father figure, and his brothers. They're the ones who brought me in the gang, only to testify against me at trial. Crazy, right? I don't gangbang anymore, and I damn sure don't trust anyone. I felt so betrayed, and it still eats at me today. In total, I had seven so-called homies tell on me. I did forgive the dudes that were with me because they changed their lives. I even talked to one of them. They are all rats. Now my ex-brother-in-law and his brothers, I have nothing but hate for. They still try to gangbang. I believe I was just a product of my environment, looking to be loved and wanted. Every kid needs to feel loved and wanted and someone positive to look up to. That's all I know. Um, But I do 100% agree with what he said about him being a product of his environment. Like what we mentioned earlier, his parents were already in prison, which makes him more likely to also become incarcerated at some point in his life. And young kids need that feeling of being accepted. Like he said in his letter, he wanted to be loved and accepted by people. And unfortunately, the people that he got that feeling from was his gang. You see this all the time. People at a young age are joining gangs because they feel like those people are family to them. And it's hard to get out of that life, especially for someone like him who had to deal, who they had to live with the people in their gang. Um, didn't you do some research on this? Yeah, so, so I read some things in this article Um, It's Slate, and we'll link it. Um, But they talk about how joining gangs is a form of protection and safety that kids um, seek out. I mean, some psychologists might 
I would actually think that most would agree that affiliation and a feeling of belonging is a need that's right up there right after food and water. Um, People want to feel like they're a part of a group and that they belong somewhere. And then the article goes on to talk about how poor parental supervision and the absence of either or both parents can increase a child's likelihood of joining a gang. And then um, I think you said that he was in the juvenile system. Mm -hmm. And this actually says that this intensifies their affiliation and that people um, will prolong their affiliations and that being entered into the juvenile justice system will only prolong and deepen their gang involvement. So I thought that was interesting. Um, And then I could see how once you have something on your record, it's even more difficult to try to distance yourself that is interesting. It's a good point. I never thought of that. But it's, I mean, it's good. I know he's not in the juvenile system now, but it's good that he was able to get away from the gang life. Because I know gangs are, I mean, we've talked about this before, gangs are strong in prison. Mm-hmm. So it's good that he was able to change you know how he said he changed his ways. He doesn't mm-hmm. associate with people who continue to live that kind of life. That's true. It probably is at least make it some way for you to try to, or they have those like options or outlets if you choose that that's mm-hmm. what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I know it was a while ago, but we got the letter, is he wrongly convicted? That was letter two. Mm-hmm. We got a response from him, um, but there's there's not too much to share from that one. But if you remember, I said that I asked if he knew the people that he was supposedly with, and he said, yes, I knew the people who they said I was there with. I was not with them on the said date of the crime or even the week before. We were all friends, but I was friends with the two brothers who said I committed the crime. Um, he says there was no true, true witness on this case, which makes me believe that one of the people that he says were actually there committed the crime instead of him. But he's just trying, I mean, he's trying to find a lawyer, basically, to try to appeal. Is that is that the right word? I don't know if it's like a retrial or... Yeah, because he's thinking that the stories, their stories will, they will contradict each other. Well, there was also a lot of good, I mean, you said that they didn't find his DNA there. Someone else had gunpowder residue on them. So there are at least a few things that you'd think would raise some questions. Yeah. Oh, and he also said that the gun was never found. So, hmm. I mean, whoever did it must have got rid of rid of it quickly. Um, but he basically just ended saying, I need to get in contact with the two other friends that were there so I can get their statement. One of the homicide detectives said he questioned one of the key witnesses but did not give his statement to the jury. 
But then I asked him again, like, how prison was like for him and how he's adjusting. And he said, prison has been extremely hard for me, mainly because I don't have the support I need. I don't have many family members. I'm locked up in a state that I do not know anyone in. I'm too far away from the family I do have, so I can't receive any visits, and I do not have the funds to buy the items I need to do my time. I have a really strong mind, and that is the only thing that is keeping me sane. And I just want to add a call for anyone who's listening. I think you can tell that these incarcerated people really need someone to talk to. So if you would be willing to look into a pen pal program and it takes what, like 10 minutes of your week um, to write like one letter Um, and maybe you can. Even if you just like say anything, I feel like a lot of the people just want to talk about something. They just, I'm sure they would love to talk to people because a lot of them mentioned to me that they would write people and then they would fall off and then now they're lonely and have no one to talk to. So I'm trying to like respond to everybody. Like even if, I mean, we're not going to mention them in any more episodes. I'm really trying to keep in contact with a lot of them. Well, yeah, that's a good point. So if you are going to do this, Mm -hmm. like it should be a commitment that you, something that you're committed to actually doing um, for some extended period of time. And let them know when you're when you think that you can't do it anymore, you know, so they have some heads up when you when you might not be yes. writing anymore. Yes. So if you yeah, that is a good idea, Nana. Thanks for saying that. You should there's a lot of websites that you can get on. I one of them is called writeaprisoner.com. And then the other one I don't know how it's pronounced, but it, it's like it's pen, I think it's pen-a-con. So it's like P-E-N-A-C-O-N. Yeah. So we can link those two with the um, yes. source and from Slate. Like in the last, what I just mentioned this in the letter to the man supposedly wrongly convicted, he mentioned not having any money. So if anyone would like to donate, they can send us an email at um, contact at pfppodcast.com it's like contact at piecesfromprisonpodcast.com but just pfp so if you'd like to donate to anyone mentioned or him just send us an email Um, but that is it for this episode thank you so much for listening and we will be back soon with another episode so subscribe to our podcast so you know when our episodes are coming out and rate us so we know how we're doing and take care.